Indescribable Podcast. They'll recap CXT on one indescribable podcast. They'll share their points of view. And in this one, back since Josh a text, but accidentally then she breaks in his place to try to delete it, but then he catches her things go downhill from their plus now scott's in the loop now on to your favorite podcast where we bring all of our hot takes for you Yes, that is right. Oh my goodness. Welcome to One Indescribable Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11, where me, Adam H., Todd, and Lindy are all here to talk through the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, episode by episode, all 62 of them. And here we are yet again to talk about Episode 11 of the first season with me. As always, two of my very, very good friends, Todd. Todd, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'd be doing better if my allergies weren't conspiring to, you know, kill me. But other than that, you know, not bad. Yeah, allergies are like such a big thing, especially like going into the fall here. Uh, I like used to get those allergy shots. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know about those allergy shots. So basically like two, two shots a week for like a decade <laughs> i would like go and they would like to shoot me i don't even know what was it i don't know uh they did a lot though because i don't really get allergies anymore so that's my recommendation go get allergy shots to everyone there uh yeah that was your little allergy shot talk lindy lindy's also here how are you hi it sounds like i'm doing better than all the people with allergies that sounds horrible um you know i'm just over here avoiding text catastrophes you know, not purposefully breaking my home's windows. So I'm doing okay. That's big. Yeah. Sometimes it can be tempting to break, intentionally break your home's windows. Um, I'm glad that you are uh, not succumbing to that pressure. That's, that's fantastic news. Um, I will admit I'm a little gassed. So I just got back from my uh, trip, from my vacation out West. I went to Seattle for a while. And then I also spent a day up in Vancouver where I spent some time with our guest from just a couple weeks ago here on the podcast, Melissa Woodward. And I got to spend about 10 days out West with them. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. I really loved it. Uh, but now I'm back to the cold, harsh reality. <laughs> of now you Louis have to talk to us. Time job. Now yeah. I'm here talking to both of you. Uh, no, it was amazing. It was great to get to see her. I got to see some other PSR people there as well. It was really just a very fun uh, vacation, a break from life. We took no breaks, though, at One Indescribable Podcast. We took no breaks. You got content from us every single week. We love it. We love you, dear listener. We love you so much that we are going to get into the episode right now. Season 1, episode 11 of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Lindy, take it away. All right. Season 1, episode 11. That text was not meant for Josh. All right, so this episode starts out with Paula and her husband, Scott. They're in some sort of therapy session. Turns out they're with Father Bra. 
And what happened is, you know, when Scott found out that Paula was really unhappy, he thought it would be a good idea for them to talk to someone. So they talked to Father Bra, who's, you know, trying to shoot this mini basketball into a hoop over their heads and, you know, hits him in the hits Scott in the head with it. And, you know, he basically gives them this pretty, pretty simple advice to just have dinner together alone and connect with each other. So that's Father Bra's advice. Uh, my favorite part of the scene was when he says, Mr. Bra was my father. I'm Father Bra. Oh, good old Father Bra. How, I, Adam, I know last time we saw Father Bra, he wasn't your favorite character. Do you have any uh, more positive feelings towards him this time, or are you still down on the father? I, I don't know if positive is the right word. Um, more neutral? This is going to sound ridiculous and, and pretty dumb. If he would have made the shot, I think I would have liked him more. Uh, Adam, Adam only likes winners. I think it's what we're learning here. No, Adam only I don't know. If you're going to like, you know, there's a married couple in front of you, like professing their feelings, like explaining to you how they're like having a really difficult time and they're coming to you for help. And you have like the gall to shoot a little toy basketball over at the hoop. You best not miss. Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, you better hit that shot if you're going to, like, do that right there. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm not, like, super high on Father Bra. I actually think it was good advice. I like the idea of just, like, you know, calming down, sitting down, having a dinner, and just talking. I think that's, like, good advice. But everything surrounding Father Bra, I'm, like, very out on. Yeah. I think, I think he's fun. I, I mean, we saw him playing basketball before. Was he good at regular basketball? I can't remember. It's not that, it, see, it's not, it's not even like a matter of that, right? It's like he's in this couple's like counseling session. I don't know, Lindy, if you're like in therapy with a partner and your therapist like shoots a basketball <laughs> right in the middle of the thing and misses, like, <laughs> yeah, know. you know what? I'm starting to see your point. Like, if you, you're in their shoes, and he misses. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, what is this? Like a Chuck E. Cheese? Like, what is happening here? I think my favorite part of all that was, you know, he's giving this analogy about, uh, you know, a boat with a hole in it and tells them, you know, don't be the hole. No one likes a hole. But everyone likes a swoosh and then shoots and misses. Again, and, misses. Yeah. And it just, just made me think of like a recent episode of Survivor with the money shot. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, I just I love that. Like everyone likes a swoosh, and then like just complete fail. Uh, yeah. In terms of being a good a uh, therapist, a uh, counselor, whatever, no F. But in terms of entertaining me, A plus. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board with that. So then we see Rebecca. She's at her apartment, and Greg comes over. He knocks on her door. He says, "Yo." <laughs> And he admits that he's been avoiding Rebecca lately. He only came by to pick out something for Heather that Rebecca's letting her borrow, which turns out to be a hard drive. And basically, Rebecca asks Greg if, you know, he and Heather are still a thing. And she's so glad that he found a mating partner. It's a pretty, it's a pretty awkward encounter here. Yeah. What I like is never he he responds like when since when have you cared about my mating habits? Her response was I don't care and I think I've shown that consistently, which fair enough. Yeah, is accurate. 
And here in this scene, we see the three decorative rocks at the beginning, like Rebecca's putting on her shoes and you see the rocks. And, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't realize that these are going to be significant, but, you know, they're going to go off by the end of the episode, so to speak. Yeah, Chekhov's decorative rocks, yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so then Rebecca's a cup of boba. Um, she's got a a big stack of work papers with her. She has a big presentation coming up and she runs into Josh who like covers her eyes with his hands. <laughs> um, and they're laughing, having a good time. And Josh says he's been thinking about how fun they, ha how much fun they had at camp. And we hear that, that twinkly music again. And Rebecca says to him, I love you. Your sense of humor. <laughs> Just doesn't even save it at all. Nope. Uh, but Josh doesn't notice that at this point. Josh will be a little bit more perceptive than usual by the end of the episode, but right now he's still in Dimbulb territory, 100%. Uh, yeah, he'll be in Dimbulb territory for a hot minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did love it. It's a very like, beginning of the scene. I loved when I forget exactly what her wording was, but how she ordered uh at the thing she was like give me the red eye with like a bunch of extra i don't even know what it was but it was yeah. very funny it was the olsen twin sides the only thing i remember <laughs> it was like the, uh, the olsen yeah. twin sides was the size of the drink that she ordered she needed um, some serious boba for this really big case at work do i have to do like the obligatory adam comment of like why in the world is josh coming up behind rebecca and like putting his hands over her eyes and like i no are we good? No, with... I, I, think, okay. I think it's pretty pretty well okay. understood. All right, cool, 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 cool. I think everyone knows how you feel. Good. Okay, great. At this point. Um, and, and Josh is dressed for his Taekwondo class, and he says to Rebecca that he left his phone at home today. And then, you know, he walks off and you kind of see him smiling and walking away in slow motion as as they say goodbye. Yep. And because he doesn't have his phone, he says he it's like he, he feels naked. He feels buck naked. And Rebecca's response is just a mm, <laughs> little dreamy thought, which just cracked me up. Yeah, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see Rebecca. She's at work. She's arguing this big case. Uh, there's a bunch of people in the conference room at, you know, White Feather and Associates. It's her her client and Paula and, you know, the judge and then the opposing side. And while the opposing side is talking, Rebecca starts to mouth something to Paula. And she's trying to talk about Josh, but she's not really able to communicate in this way in this moment. So she grabs her phone and she says, I'll text you. So she types out a text and we see it on the screen and I did write it down. Uh, so and there's some emojis. So it says. Just saw Josh. He looked so fire emoji that I almost, then there's like, you know, a tongue out, like dead emoji. <laughs> I heart him so much. And I think he hearts me now too. God, I can't wait until we're finally together and I can stop lying and tell him I love him and moved here for him. What a text. First Oof. of all, <laughs> uh, we can get, we can get to that. So she sends the text and then winks at Paula. But Paula's like confused because she did not receive the text. And Rebecca is supposed to be responding to this argument in this case at this moment, but she looks at her phone, pretending to check some evidence, 
and she sees that she accidentally sent that text not to paula but to josh and everything just becomes distorted everyone's voices like they're moving in slow motion it's just a complete heart-stopping moment for her yep and we even get one of those the classic knows that we have gotten several times before from Rebecca, but it's also in slow motion. So the long drawn out no is even longer and more drawn out as she's no. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to point out that before all the tech shenanigans, uh, as she's making her argument for her case, the statement that she makes is that uh, this case is about taking responsibility for one's actions. So I feel like that's some some real uh, irony alert uh, going on right now. Just a uh, Rebecca uh, pleading that other people take responsibility for their actions. I, I feel like maybe she should uh, you know physician heal thyself and all of that. Uh, but the other thing I want to point out here is that the there's some uh, guest stars in this that were pretty recognizable. A uh, first of all, her opposing counsel is played by uh, Briga Helen who has been on lots and lots of different sitcoms, including uh, Cougar Town was, like, I think, the first thing I actually saw her in. But the thing I know her knew her most for at this point in time was a show called Ground Floor, which was like a, a relatively short-lived sitcom, but she co-starred with two Crazy Ex-Girlfriend uh, regulars. One of them, Renee Goob, a.k.a. Father Bra, who played three-peat on the show, and then her romantic interest, played by Skylar Aston, who would eventually become a, uh, a regular on the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, and there's also another Skylar Aston uh, connection as the client is played by Esther Dean, a.k.a. Cynthia Rose from Pitch Perfect. So I'm sitting here watching this episode going, oh my goodness, there's some, that's some uh, high quality uh, guest stars for this scene. And then they go on to do a song in a few minutes. Like, okay, I see why they got these high quality guest stars uh, to, to do a song. But yeah, I just had to point out like these two like really recognized people for like a relatively, you know, short sequence. But it kind of like jumped out at me. That's awesome. I've got to check out that show, Ground Floor. I haven't seen that yeah, with all, also those, has, all those people. Yeah. It also has a John McGinley, a, you know, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. He plays the boss on okay. it. So, yeah, it, I think it was like on TBS or something like that. It lasted like two or three seasons. It's not the best show around, but I enjoyed it. Another show that Brigitte Helen's in is Great News. That's a sitcom that was on. It was only like two seasons. I really liked that one. Yeah, I, I think I saw the first season. I don't know if I saw the second season. I really enjoyed what I saw of it, though. I'm glad you brought it up. Tonight. I was going to bring up the Esther Dean stuff. She's like one of the most talented writers in like the business. She's written some like, I mean, she like writes for Rihanna. She writes for Katy Perry. Like she writes for a lot of big names. Um, and of course, like her voice is incredible. So uh, very talented. Yeah. So just touching on the text again, I cannot help but think this could have waited, Rebecca. Like, why are you texting your best friend, Paula, in the middle of this meeting that you're both at when you could have said this exact same thing to her when you walked in this morning or right after the meeting because you're going to be together this whole day? Like, what was she thinking? Well, I think... To the first point, more than likely, Rebecca was just so distracted by the Josh thing that she was probably late to the meeting, probably got there right <laughs> as the meeting started, because I think we've seen Rebecca's idea of the, what constitutes a, a being on time for work and, you know, importance of being in the office when Josh is involved is a, a, 
maybe not what most people consider, but I agree. Like, yeah, it, it could have waited. It could have waited to any a uh, regular person. But a uh, Rebecca is just too excited and too like, oh, love struck in this moment. She just has to share it with Paula and and almost bring her whole world crashing down because of it. Yeah, I mean, it probably could have waited. I don't know. I'm like not uh I get it. She's excited. She's in love. She's in love with a she's very in love. She's just a girl in love. She can't be held responsible for her actions. Well, I, okay. I, I, you know, I don't need to go Good that point. far. But, Good um, point. Good <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, so, I, I do have like a question though about this. The whole concept of this episode, right, is that she, she sends the text to Josh, not to Paula. Texting someone, texting the wrong person something. Now, I don't want to speak for other people. But I do this all the freaking time, or at least I, you know, I, I certainly have in the past. Uh, it's harder to do that on Discord than it is just like on actual texting. But I've done this many a time. Is that do you do you obviously not like professing my love to people <laughs> <laughs> that I send you, but like texting the wrong person what I'm like trying to send. I click on it all the wrong all the time. Um, I don't do it very often because a, uh, after one particularly awful situation where I instant messaged the wrong person about something and basically caused a major, major situation at work uh, many, many years ago, yeah, I have since learned to a, uh, not do that. So, hmm. yeah. Wow. I bad. feel like I've only accidentally texted the wrong person like one time and it was something totally harmless so it didn't even matter i feel like i i would i would be concerned if i was doing that all the time it'd be so stressful yeah i mean I, a little bit i don't know i'm never like texting anyone like anything important enough to like <laughs> really worry about it yeah i think that that's one thing i mean as, as long as you're not like texting stuff that could be like you know, blow up in your face horribly if it went to the wrong person, then eh, he's like, oh, well, I accidentally texted this to to Todd instead of Lindy, you know, oh, well, type thing. But if it is like some more sensitive stuff, then then it can be really, really awkward and really, really painful. And that is the situation Rebecca's in. Immediately when she realizes this, she requests a temporary stay due to an emergency. And Paula interrupts and she's like, Cookie, you don't have to lie. These are good people. They'll understand. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, I think this episode is great. I think it's funny. And this, I mean, I know I'm re-watching it, so I knew it was going to happen. But it's such a funny turn where you would think she'd be like, oh, I have an emergency. Like, rush away. But instead, it's like, no, we're going to let these people in on what's happening. And they're going to get so invested in it. <laughs> so Paula explains the situation. And they pass around the phone and see the text. And, you know, the opposing side is like, forget this stupid case. This is a living nightmare, you know, and they immediately start launching into ideas on how she can fix this. I think my favorite of the ideas is uh, the opposing counsels. A, uh, there's only one thing to do. Witness protection. Burn it all down. Start a new life. <laughs> my favorite response was when I think it was 
the judge was like, uh, you could say it was opposite day. And then the opposing counsel was like, nobody does opposite day anymore. What are we, fourth graders in 1995? He's like, I don't know. I'm the only one spitballing here. Should we bring back opposite day? Is that a thing we should like try and push for? When is opposite day? Is there like a day for it? Oh, I'm sure there I don't is. Know. There's there's a day for everything, it feels like. So I'm sure okay. someone out there on some calendar has decided that this day is opposite day. But that I think that is fun when you're a kid, but like what would you do when you're an adult? I guess maybe like you wouldn't work. <laughs> so maybe that would be fun. I don't right, know. <laughs> pick a day. Let's do it. <laughs> so, but then, you know, Rebecca realizes what Josh told her earlier. He doesn't have his phone with him today. It's perfect. And Valencia is teaching, you know, back-to-back -back yoga classes. So she's got a window where she can go to their apartment, sneak in, and delete the text from his phone before he ever even sees it. And so, you know, she runs out and the judge says her, he's going to get her a police escort. And she wants Paula to come along, but Paula says she can't go. She's having dinner tonight with Scott at home. So, unfortunately, she can't help with this. Which I thought was interesting because I would think that this is in the middle of the day. So, why couldn't Paula go along? It seems like it's not near dinner time yet. She could still be home for dinner, but I don't know. What do you think? The timeline on this episode is kind of strange, uh, but I do think it's probably later in the day than we we think. I think like the the pre-meeting boba must have been like in the afternoon instead of the morning, because by the time Rebecca does all of her shenanigans and gets over to her apartment, it hasn't been that much time and it started getting dark out. So I feel like it's probably later in the day than it would seem. Like we, I think we're conditioned to think, oh, she's starting to get boba and then heading to office. Got to be an early morning meeting. But I think it's probably later in the day. But it did like rewatching it. It really jumped out. And like, wait, why can't Paula go with her wins dinner? But I think it's just the timeline is like a little off compared to what you would normally expect. That makes sense. So then we get the song "Text Emergency." So all of the people at the meeting are singing this song. Adam, what are your thoughts? I liked it. I it was like a classic like eighties rock, right? Like I thought it was really good. Um, I I like that kind of music. Um, and they had like some amazing guests on to like sing. I was I was into it. I liked it, and I really liked how it was not like. Uh, I don't know how to like even describe this. It was like more of like describing the scene of like this is you know this is what's happening. This is like you know text merchants and then, like it broke to the live cut of like Rebecca going through like yeah. uh and i really enjoyed that versus just sort of like a okay we're gonna take two minutes to do a song now and then we'll get back to the story it was like we're gonna progress the story through this two minutes of song yeah uh, check the buddha sconce check the buddha sconce <laughs> yeah no i i love this song i i love it. i've you know grew up listening to a lot of these the bands uh, the 80s hair metal type stuff so yeah i uh Big fan of the the style of music and big fan of the song. Big fan of like the dueling uh, text emergency versus text astrophe. You know that the whole run it, runner through it, it cracked me up. The weird ghost of Steve Jobs showing up and then just like get out of here, Steve Jobs. I don't know, just like the absurdest uh, direction the song took. I'm a big sucker for that sort of humor. So yeah, it's a it's a song that I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, it's a fun song. My favorite part is when Rebecca's outside Josh and Valencia's building and she's like, I'm going to fake text by the door so that, you know, 
you know, someone comes out and she can sneak in pretending she was just casually waiting there. Uh, is, is text emergency better or worse than text astrophy? I like text emergency better. I think Me too. <laughs> it's easier I, to say. <laughs> I think I'm, I, I go back and forth. I think text astrophy, I kind of like, but I like both of them. I think text emergency a, uh, would be the one that would be, would probably catch on more, I think, but. I Lindy, like- I just don't think that Todd wanted to disagree with both of us. I think that's what's happening here. <sighs> called out. Called out <laughs> <my> peacemaker tendencies. <laughs> it's okay. It's fun to disagree sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Especially I'll- about this. It does not yeah, matter. <laughs> this couldn't possibly matter less. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but, I mean, but honestly, I do go back. But I do text Astrophy, I think, is the one that I personally uh, like more. I liked her voice more. So when she was singing it, it like sounded better, but it, I don't think it was like the better term, but. Uh, and, yeah. and like text, all right, text cues versus explanation, which. Oh boy. Explanation. Yeah. Explanation. I really like the text excuse me though. That's good. <laughs> it had, well, cause it was like very big. Ah, excuse me vibes from pitch perfect. Yeah. So very, I was like very. all in on that. I may really love Pitch Perfect, that which oh. is like not surprising to anyone ever, but like you know, I think that's the something n- we're all gonna agree on. Yeah, I, uh, the number of times I watched that movie whenever it was first came out on HBO, like I'd be flipping through the channels, and if it was on, and I came across it. It did not matter what point in the movie it was on, I would stop and watch from that point forward. Um, I got to go to like so. There's a movie theater called uh, Alamo Draft House that will have movie parties where you can go and quote along and sing along, like the whole audience does it. And got to go to like a Pitch Perfect sing along with one of the first movie parties I went to with Alamo Draft House. It was just such a blast going with a, a friend and her husband. And my friend and I, we both just sang at the top of our lungs the entire time while her husband just sat there and rolled his eyes. The same <laughs> thing happened at the Moulin Rouge movie party where. Amy and I sang along and Mark just kind of sat there and rolled his eyes and a uh, little shop of horrors sing along. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Pitch perfect. Seen that way too many times. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. So then the song ends and Rebecca has gotten into the apartment. Like Adam said, the song really advances the scene there and she spots Josh's phone and she needs to know the passcode to get in. And she tries a couple things, including the last four of his social which she knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does she know that? <laughs> I'm going to say Paula. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly what I was thinking. I was like, maybe Paula found out his social and that's why Rebecca knows it. I mean, it makes the most logical sense out of, <laughs> I mean, Rebecca, Rebecca is someone who has, you know, cyber stalked him quite extensively. So Rebecca could have figured it out. But Paula, I think, has demonstrated a much deeper a uh, you know depth of a uh, digging for information on him. Just like a little like she knew his address before Rebecca did, and she was able to find other information before Rebecca did. So it would not surprise me if at some point during all of her briefings, Paula has a leaked Josh's social security number to Rebecca. But I also can see Rebecca like asking him that back whenever they were at camp. And remembering all these years. I can say that'd be the sort of thing that that weird, dramatic Rebecca as a kid a, a thought would be interesting information to have. I, I don't know. I could see either way. I think it was Paula. I think that makes the most sense. Sorry, you guys don't have the social security numbers of your friends just memorized? 
Uh, do you? <laughs> no, my God, no, of course not. Uh, yeah, no, that, no, me that would be that weird. Would be I would never do that. I'm a little worried. I'm a little mm-hmm, worried, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Valencia's birthday does work, and I am not going to lie to you. It took me way too long. I like paused it. It was five, five, eight, eight, and it just took me so long to figure out how that could be a birthday. <laughs> 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 I was like, there's numbers missing. It doesn't 55th of what? It just like I was so tired today, and it just took me way too long to realize how 5588 can be a birthday. Oh wow. Well, we better keep moving along if that's where you're at. <laughs> Let's keep going so you can, you know, get some rest. Which would have made Valencia how old at the, when this aired? What was this? 2016 is when this aired? Yeah, this is 2016. So she would have been like 28? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why that's important to me. I just focus on age sometimes, uh, you know? Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, we have, we discussed a little bit back and forth about how old are they? We never have really settled. I think, you know, it kind of puts them in like the late the late 20s range is kind of where I think. I think we had sense. them a little bit older, actually, when we discussed it last time. So this is, yeah, okay. It's kind of interesting. Rebecca was like incredibly successful in New York for being late twenties. Yeah. Well, she's well, very good at what she does. Well, in my opinion, <laughs> as a person who is not a lawyer. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you know Valencia's birthday—that was the code. Rebecca gets in, she deletes the text, and there you go. Episode's over. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. If only. It's not that easy, because. While she did achieve her goal of deleting the text, when she opens the door to leave, who is standing right outside? It's Josh. And he looks confused. As well he should. But it should also be stressed, the reason why she left a little bit, uh, ran to him probably was because she paused to smell an article of his clothing, which she said, he smells like karate, and I love it. So, yeah. And we even had like a, a little brief a uh, return of the text emergency singers about, you know, getting out, get out of there. You're running out of time. And then she's like, okay, I got to get out of here. And then she runs into him. And yeah, if I opened up the door to my apartment and someone was in there uh, who I didn't expect to, you know, someone who doesn't have a key to my place, someone who I hadn't left at my place, even if I knew them, I would still be a little freaked out. Absolutely. That is not a good thing to walk into. So we'll come back to Rebecca and Josh in just a moment. First, we get this little scene of Paula and Scott having dinner at their house by themselves. It's a little awkward. You know, they're kind of making some small talk and decide to hold hands while they're eating. So so you can tell it's just a little awkward, Uh, but we'll get we'll get more of them later. So we're back to Rebecca and Josh and josh is like how did you get in here like and rebecca starts freaking out she's clearly trying to stall so that she can think of a reason any reason why she would be in josh's apartment without him knowing so he asks if she broke in and she's like yes there was a break-in yes (laughs) (laughs) that's what it was uh so she ends up lying to him and saying that there was a break-in at her place and and you know they smashed the window with a big and josh says rock she's like yes 
You're so good at this. Rock. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Um, but she says she was scared. So she came here to be with Josh and Valencia and the door was unlocked. So she came in and I think because she's so freaked out and I mean, if this had really happened and there'd really been a break in, I can see someone reacting like this. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if if you if if someone came home and someone had a uh, you know, broken in, I could see them being freaked out and being so agitated when talking to them. Now, I wouldn't expect them to go to a friend's house and enter their house and just stand around and not call the cops. That part of it, not as believable. But the way that she's acting once she's actually talking to him, I can see someone be just like, especially someone like Rebecca who is can be very hyper and very verbal and just never, she gets nervous right off the mouth, which I'm sure Josh has seen many times. I could see him going, okay, this makes sense. That's she's something, you know, bad has happened and she's freaking out that part of it. Yeah. I think it can make sense. Everything leading up to that moment. Eh, not so much. I don't know. I think I'm on team. Josh is just kind of a ding bad here. Like, <laughs> I don't know. This is such a wild story. If someone, okay, if I like open my apartment door and someone's just like on the other side and was like, my apartment got, and we start like playing charades, like, what? I don't know. I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm like buying this. I mean, I don't know. Josh buys it, at least at this moment, you know, she, because I think it's just the way she's acting because he was clearly like, really weirded out when he opened the door and saw her but once she started talking about how her place was broken into i think since he believed her he wasn't gonna you know push her on the issue of coming into his place in that moment because obviously she was freaked out even though we know it was all a lie so yeah you know I think, I think the fact that she was freaked out helped sell it even though she's freaked out for a completely different reason than why she said she was freaked out i think the energy of being freaked out helped sell the story to him yeah, so she says she'll get out of his hair now, but he says, no, you know, I can't send you home alone. And he says that she looks like a tiny, scared little bird, which is interesting. And they hug, and then Rebecca comes to the realization that she had mentioned the broken window. And so then we get, you know, Josh is going to go, you know, get ready, get get changed and everything. And so Rebecca calls Paula and as she's dialing, she says, Paula, I hope your marriage is fixed by now. <laughs> she's going to need a favor. And, you know, Rebecca calls Paula and she doesn't even explain what has happened. She just says a bunch of like random phrases about Josh and how, you know, he smells good. He's here. He did karate, etc. Doesn't explain the break in or anything, but just tells Paula, you know, I'm going to need you to throw a rock through my sliding glass door right now. And Paula, great friend, dedicated to Rebecca's life as she is, says, copy that. I love that she asks zero questions. Yeah. And meanwhile, her husband, who has been standing there, uh, she's like going, oh, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm going to let it ring. Oh, but what if it's the kids? Like, the kids are upstairs. Yeah, but you know how much trouble they can get to upstairs? <laughs> and then she says it's her mom. And then she ends with the copy that. He's like, did you just end the phone call with your mom with copy that? 
So Paula's got some explaining to do. Would you guys do this if you're Paula? I would hope that if I called either one of you and said, I need you to throw a rock through the window of my place, that you would just say, copy that, and it would be done. That, that's my hope. <laughs> that both I would do that for both of you. I would throw a rock through your window. <laughs> I don't want you to, but well, but it's not, yeah, obviously, like it depends. You know, it's circumstantial, of you course. You would do it if I asked you. Yes, that exactly. Okay. Well, here's the thing: there, I would do a lot for my friends. Totally willing to do stuff, but I don't know that I would completely smash your living room window. So, what no. if someone sees you and is like? A burglar. <laughs> that uh, could be a whole nother disaster. So all I'm hearing is no. You would not. <laughs> you would not throw a rock through my window. I wouldn't. Wow. Well, that cuts deep here on one describable <laughs> podcast. Uh, is it over? Are we done? That's a tough one to swallow. Todd, Todd, would you do it? Oh my goodness! I would probably. I would be the one who would, I would have to ask more questions. I, I definitely would not be able to just go, right, I'd like to go, like, at least no. All right. Uh, are you kidding? Is it dragon fruit? <laughs> you know, I need to, you, you have know. to have the dragon fruit. Okay. Yeah. I, have, have, I need to have like the, the, uh, the safe word. Let me know. You're, it's not, you're not joking. You know, I, I need, I need some more details before I can fully commit to that. Um, I, I'm not someone who, you know, does destruction of property on a regular basis. So it would probably be a, uh, a, a big ask to get me to, to break your window. But if I, I got the sense that it was like a, a life or death situation and that you desperately needed it, I I'm I would probably wind up doing it. A uh, after a long time just sitting in the car and just going, Oh, <laughs> what's gonna happen? Am I gonna get caught? Is someone gonna report me? Am I gonna get arrested? What's gonna happen? So yeah, after after much wringing of hands and overthinking things to the nth degree, hey uh, yeah. I appreciate that, Todd. That means a lot. <laughs> that's the biggest eye roll I've ever seen in my life from Lindy. Oh my goodness. I love rolling my eyes. Tragically, no one else can see it, but Adam gets the point. <laughs> I, so I think that was good enough that people could feel it through the podcast. Oh I think the recording just captured the energy of that eye roll, and everyone who's listening could just like feel it in their bones. Lindy, do I have to clarify that I'm like not gonna press charges if I ask you to do this? Like, is that the is that someone the else might before who? you it's get my there? Place. What do you mean? Some, who else someone is could pressing call charges? The authorities on me before you're there. You're not home. I'm. Rebecca wasn't home when Paula threw the rock. So if someone saw and called the cops, Rebecca wasn't there to explain. Oh no, this is my friend. I asked her to. You vandalism. Yeah, it's not, all right, okay. We, could, we don't need to get the legal nitty gritty. All I'm hearing <laughs> is that we're not as good of friends as Todd. That's all I'm hearing. I just want to say hurt. that I wouldn't commit crimes for anyone. So it's not that we're not good friends because we are. Wow. That's a tragic state of friendship, I think. <laughs> Let it be known far and wide. Depend, you know, depending on the crime, I'm not going to. Well, I probably won't murder anybody. I would commit crimes probably. for my friends. <laughs> what? If you needed some, you know. 
listen, if we got to bury a body, we got to bury a body, okay? That's the I situation. Edit this part out so that Adam <laughs> is not. Don't come for my it. loyalty. I, you know, I'm there. <laughs> you need you need someone to. I don't know. I'm there. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I think I think we should move on because you know Paula agrees to throw the Paula, no Paula questions. agrees. I will admit on the TV show, I love it. It's great. I agree. She should do it. So oh, okay, so it has to be on TV is what I'm hearing. <laughs> exactly. So Paula's husband asks her, you know, who's calling you all the time? And Paula does not want to answer. You know, she's being vague, like, I have to go, I have to go. Like, but you know, he keeps insisting and asking questions. And she's like, fine, you know, come with me. But you can't ask any questions. So he says, okay. Uh, so then we cut to them. They're outside Rebecca's place searching for a rock. And, you know, Paul is just like digging through the bushes. And Scott's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm looking for a rock. And Scott asks if he can help. And Paul says, sure. And he says, awesome. Like, he's so excited. To help her out with looking for this rock. I thought it was really cute. Yeah. And and then, but then before he can find a rock, he's like, I have to go use the bathroom. And Paula's <laughs> like, uh, go through there. The sliding door is always unlocked. And so recently in the Poster Recaps Discord, there's been lots of conversations about whether people lock their doors at home or not. Uh so apparently Rebecca falls on the never locks her door contingent, which I find interesting. Uh, but so. I'm sure no one will be surprised that I fall on the side of you should lock your doors all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even fewer people will be surprised that I fall under the contingent of I don't remember the last time I like fully locked my door while I was inside. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or I'm on the the instant I walk to my apartment, I put both locks in the door. You know, the the one that the apartment complex can open and the one that they can't. So, yeah. So ba basically, yeah, I always, always lock my doors. Uh, it just it was interesting because Rebecca doesn't strike me as someone who wouldn't a, leave her, her door unlocked. That seems a little strange to me, Rebecca. But apparently... Yeah, uh, in West Covina, the haven of West Covina, there's no need to lock your doors. Does it yeah. matter if it's the back sliding door versus like the front door? I think I can understand. Not, I don't, I wouldn't do it, but I can understand what she's thinking. It kind of looks like there's like a, a fenced in back patio. So it's not immediately accessible. Like you have to go through the, the fence door to get to that door is my understanding of the layout. So I can kind of see why she does that. Yeah, but even so, if anyone knows it's there, they can still go through the unlocked fence really easily and go in through the back door where people aren't going to see these strange people entering the house, possibly. So it's possibly even like more likely for someone trying to break it in or to try and get in through that way. So, I mean, see, this is OK. All right. We don't need to like fully get into this, but this is where I, you know, always have to say if like someone wants to break into your house, a locked door is not going to stop them. True. So, if someone is looking for an easy entry where they're not going to have to do anything extra, then that little bit of extra can keep them from doing it. So, yeah, Adam, you don't have to help them, you know? 
I like to help people. Lady. Like <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I'm your guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, you want to steal my stuff? Let me help you. Oh, you want to come in and assault me in my sleep? Come right in. Adam's the helper. <laughs> I don't know. Not for nothing. There's like nothing here for them to take. But they don't oh know my. that. We've had this conversation before. They don't they, know that there's nothing there. They go find out pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, maybe you have some decorative rocks that might be like the perfect rock that if you googled rock, that's what you would see. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have rocks inside? Like the any decorative or non-decorative utilitarian rocks? Uh, I don't. I don't. No rocks. No, no, no okay. rocks here. But anyway, Scott comes back from the bathroom and he says he's got a good rock. And you know, like I said, it's Paula says it's you know a perfect rock. And you know they go up to the window and Paula tells him to chuck it. And there had been this kind of metaphor about them being on a boat together in their marriage and how it was sinking. And so, you know, uh, Scott is hesitating. So Paula says, the boat is sinking. Throw the rock through the window. And Scott does. And the window shatters. And they are both so excited. They're like, yay, we did it, you know. And, you know, they run away together. Again, you know, a cute moment. Yeah. And Scott wants to know what else they can break, what else can they destroy. He's like all caught <laughs> up in the adrenaline of the motion in the moment so then we see uh josh and rebecca showing up to her place and she's really nervous that she doesn't know you know whether paula has accomplished this or not so she's kind of hedging and being like well you know what if they you know came in and felt bad and, and they cleaned up all the glass you know and fixed the window you know before we got back um but then they walk in and see all the shattered glass on the ground and you know it's a it's a scary sight if you think that someone random did this so you know they're gonna clean up the glass rebecca offers josh some wine she says she feels safe with him and she she suggests getting food from a fondue place and i feel like we gotta stop down here for adam's kitchen corner there is a lot going on in this scene in regards to food so adam where should we start i don't well we're, i don't know where 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 do we want to start uh we have the fondue and we have the, the wine is that the other thing here yeah, let's start with the wine. Okay. What do we want? I mean, what do we want to talk about the wine? Just like my favorite wines. I love wine. Well, Josh like, asked for ice cubes in the wine. Yeah, for like a for like a very dry white wine. I that's you know, that's a, I feel like a pretty normal thing. I think if you're doing it with red or rose, there's a problem. But you know, a white wine, I could see it. I have no know. problem there. I am I, I wanted to know because I am not a drinker in by any stretch of imagination, I can probably like count on like one hand the number of alcoholic drinks I've had, uh, or the number of times I've had alcoholic drinks. I'll say that, but uh, wine has never been something I've been uh, interested in. So I was That's not sure. If, I was not sure if the uh, ice cubes and wine was like uh, done to make Josh look like a dope, or if it was something that's actually a uh, a normal thing for people to do. I I'll be clear, Josh is a dope, but the ice cubes and the wine are no. Not, yeah. No indication of that. It's good to know, Todd. Wine is like my go-to gift whenever I'm like meeting someone or seeing someone or whatever. I love like giving bottles of wine. So um, it's one of the things that I did a lot out in Seattle. You have an amazing winery scene out there that I loved. Okay, so that's the wine element of it. Josh put ice cubes in wine. Okay, it was uh, white is probably my least favorite type of wine, but uh, if you're gonna drink white, you could put ice cubes in it. Sure. All right, and then we have fondue, specifically fondue to go. 
Yeah, that's, I feel like to me, that's where the problem is. I mean, I love fondue as much as the next guy. Melted cheese? Come on. I mean, you're talking to a Wisconsin boy here. I love some melted cheese, but like delivery fondue? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it will admittedly, it looks later like it was a whole setup and that like a guy was coming to set up some sort of probably fondue machine, like a whole thing, which just like begs the question, like how much are you spending on this? Because that looks like a whole ordeal. But like, I don't know. I sort of imagine it basically just being like ordering queso to go with like a bunch of other things that you would dip in there and not like a like an actual fondue machine. So um I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever order fondue delivery. It's just like one of those things that you have to go into like a you know melting pot or whatever and go get fondue. Well, I will say I have had fondue to go. Oh. And it was good. Was it like a whole setup or was it just uh Yeah, it was like the cheese and and I think I had a salad instead of like you know, a main a main thing. I had the cheese course, which is my favorite, and then the salad, and then I had the chocolate course, which is my other favorite. So it's all my favorite, <laughs> and it was really good. It did not really suffer from being to go. Now it would have been better at the restaurant, but to go fondue is better than no fondue. Yeah, the I, they use the word congealed and coagulated both in this episode, and neither of them those are not appealing words. The fact that they're used so frequently with cheese is devastating. I'll, although, to be fair, the a uh, the delivery guy for the place named Fondumi, by the way, a uh, the Fondumi the delivery guy uh, did say that the cheese does not congeal. That's a common misconception. <laughs> and if you could get if they, Rebecca could get the word out on that, they would be very appreciative. So he used the word congeal, but in like, no, it doesn't congeal. So. I did not catch that it was fondue That's so good. <laughs> yep, it, was, it, was on his, it was on his shirt. I noticed that on, the, on my, my second rock. Shirts and fondue That's amazing. All right, I'm in. Let's get, I love this place. I'm, I'm in. I'll do delivery fondue from fondue yeah. That's really funny. Honestly, I've never, I've never done fondue. And really? Not, yeah, which is something that I, I, I love, like, like queso. Cheese in any shape or form is like one of my favorite things. I just never have like gone to a fondue place and never, I, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to it. It's just something that just has never really, an uh, opportunity has never really arisen for me to go do fondue. Todd, you are missing out. Fondue is amazing. Oh my gosh. Just the cheese alone and then dipping in the bread. It's incredible. Todd, when I was stranded in Dallas for six hours, you could have just hit me up and been like fondue? <laughs> question mark. I would have been there. That would have been the easiest yeah trip of my life oh man that would have been good yeah yeah i uh, adam and i almost got to meet a uh, on his return because a uh, <laughs> he was stranded in dallas for so long i think he was like uh, on the verge of just saying screw it and staying the night <laughs> i was actually it was getting very close uh yeah don't fly through dallas fort worth that airport is <laughs> a freaking monster <laughs> All right, so I think that concludes Adam's Kitchen Corner this week. I was thinking we need a little jingle for this because it comes up so often. Do we need a jingle? Like, should we put it in? What if there is our jingle, like when they're listening to this right now? Yeah, I want that. Okay, we'll see what we can do here. Maybe you All already right. listened to it. Maybe you, the listener just listened to the jingle. No, it's right? going to be like intro and outro of the, of the segment. Oh, oh so cue wow, okay. outro for Adam's Kitchen Corner. 
In other words, Lindy's like, what other work can I give Adam yeah. to do editing the episode? More, yeah, how can I put more stuff <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's Lindy's way of trying to get Adam to stop doing Kitchen Corner. He won't want to do it anymore if he has to edit the things. Well, that the, is the, the opposite of my intention. I was going to say, Todd, the real problem is once I get the intro and outro to Kitchen Corner, we're doing it every episode because I'm not wasting <laughs> that work, you know? So. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, you've just heard the jingle. I hope. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, the doorbell rings, and Josh tells Rebecca that he called the cops, and she is obviously not happy about that because there was not a real break in. So the police officer is looking around, trying to investigate all the broken glass, and is asking her questions. She can't really answer when it happened. You know, she's acting all freaked out again like very flustered and you know just tries to prove to the police officer that this is not an important crime like we can't prove a 459 i'm a lawyer that's a burglary <laughs> like just uh basically flexing the fact that she's a lawyer to pull out all these fancy codes and everything to convince him that like oh this is not a big deal you don't want to do all this paperwork Uh, I have to get my obligatory I really don't like Josh moment here in uh, because even like in his state of like believing everything Rebecca's saying, he like tells the cop uh, she can't follow if you talk too fast. And I was just like, shut up. He didn't <laughs> say that in a mean way. He said that to try to be helpful because she kept saying earlier, like, slow down, slow down when she was trying to think of an excuse for everything she'd been doing. So he was taking that to heart and trying to help and be like oh like she needs you to slow down you know she's really upset right now mm -hmm. yeah i uh i'm 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 le i'm more on the lindy's interpretation of it i think it was a strange way to say it it's it's more like you know she i think if it'd been like preface like she's she's really stressed out uh can you slow down that would have come across but uh, she can't follow if you talk too fast without any other like context is a really weird way to phrase it and i can see how it could be interpreted in a more negative connotation even though i think it was him taking her telling him to slow down repeatedly and like internalizing that and trying to be helpful it is josh being helpful in his usual josh way so especially like right before rebecca just like pops off with legalese too <laughs> like clearly it, i you know the cop doesn't need to slow down to talk to her it's just you know rebecca knows she's a lawyer I don't even know if what she was saying was true. It might not be. I have no, I have no understanding of the law and whatever. I, you know, yeah. but the cops seem to think it, and uh, the cop like recognized the codes and everything. And she's like, yeah, those forms for the whatever numbers, like, yeah. oh, tell me about it. You know, he seemed mm -hmm. to be a uh, on board with everything she was saying. And I think Rebecca has been proven like as uh, wild as some of her ideas and theories, but other things might be when it comes to law, Rebecca knows her stuff. So even though it's not the sort of law that she practices, I can see her being someone who just knows it because she wants to know everything about the law. Yeah. And she convinces him to leave and, you know, not fill out all these forms about this. So then we see Paula and her husband, Scott, back at their house, basically talking about their night. They are having a great time. They're laughing together, eating some burritos, you know, talking about their adventure. And Paula apologizes for being so distant lately and she even admits to her almost affair with calvin from a few episodes ago that we discussed at length so she says but nothing happened it was just jazz 
<laughs> which, you know, if you recall, that didn't really work for us in that episode, but I don't mind it being talked about here. It's good that she's admitting it, not just blowing past it. And even Scott says that he almost slept with Misty from shipping, you know, at his company. So, but Paula says what she's really been cheating on him with is Rebecca's love life. She is addicted, which we all know. <laughs> yeah, I think she was it's like she's she's intoxicated by it too. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. And and Scott is like all like, "Oh, tell me about it." And she's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I love that because, you know, he asks the question, you know, he's curious, he wants to know what she's been up to. And so she says, you know, well, oh, this scene is so good. This yeah. scene, I remember the first time I watched this episode and this scene, I was like, this is perfect. This is so perfect. I love this scene and I'm glad, I'm glad you love it too, because, you know, Paula launches into the theme song and they even get into the back and forth of the end. It's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, Scott's little, she's so broken inside. <laughs> C-R-A-Z, I can spell I, Scott. I, can, I don't spell Scott. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like almost, you know, almost pitch perfect the a uh, the theme song, except Paula changes it. That's exactly why she's here. Uh, but other than that, it's like almost pitch perfect the, the theme song with a couple of extra lines throw in call and response. And then it ends with like the little noise and and the title card which mm -hmm. it's funny because like it's like so far in the episode and i can remember the first time i watched like it didn't dawn on me they didn't do the opening song like the opening credits never happened they had like a previously on but uh yeah, there wasn't any opening credit no no segue of something saying like what's she even doing here and segueing into the song like they normally do so we're like you know almost at the end of the episode before they finally do it but it's just it's just so perfectly done it's just so so smart and funny and it's just like it's excellent and just really stuck with me. So yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's just great. Adam, did you feel the same way? Yes. I like went as far as to say that this is potentially the best scene of the whole show, at least wow. up to this point, wow. maybe even further. Wow. I loved it so much. Well, make sure to, to tell us if you come across a scene that you think is better. Yeah, I will. Or if this stands throughout the whole series. Because that's that's a bold statement. It is it's a bold a, statement. It's a great scene. But I don't know that I would say, like, oh, it's the best one ever, you know? But I like that. All right. So then we get Rebecca and Josh cleaning up the glass at her apartment. And Josh spots the rock under a chair and picks it up. And then Rebecca, you know, looks down at her set of three decorative rocks that say they say happily ever after right yeah yeah and she notices that the one in the middle is missing the one that says ever and that's the one that josh is holding and then we get the song where is the rock yeah it's a return of the hair metal band a uh, singing about a uh, where's the rock you know i think my favorite line in it is that a uh, Josh, uh, he's not the brightest, but he's not dumb as a rock, which I might beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I enjoy this song. It, it's just, it's really it's really slight. It's over really really quickly. Uh, but I I enjoy the return of the hair metal group. I enjoy uh, uh, Rebecca freaking out at it. It's uh, not something I would like listen to 
uh, outside of like just watching it in the scene necessarily, but just as like a little brief uh, comedic moment, uh, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brief. I don't have that much to comment on. So after that song ends, you know, Josh turns the rock over, sees the writing on it and, you know, places it where it goes and says, this is your rock. And here's the weird watch, Todd. Rebecca says, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yep. She said it a couple of times in this episode, uh, but pretty much every instance of weird this episode has been Rebecca and it's been like her trying to explain one of her actions and like then she's like oh that's weird i think even like in the uh where's the rock song like one of the one of the people said something about that's a, a weird thing in there so it's like rebecca's mind like all the weird stuff is just rebecca realizing that the stories that she's spinning are weird and don't make sense so she's trying to explain how it might have happened that you know her rock was the one that the burglar used to break in but it obviously does not make sense and josh realizes that and is just fed up and says you know you know what i don't want to know i don't want to know why you were in my apartment you know i don't want to know so you know he leaves and rebecca hears a knock on the door and rushes to it and is trying to apologize but uh it's her fondue arriving <laughs> it's not josh and you know she says you know that her dreams have been shattered obviously just like the window was and uh well before we get to the next part i just wanted to say that i thought that josh had acted pretty reasonably in this episode but i'm sensing that you all do not agree with me about that i guess it depends like which part specifically we're talking about uh to some extent i think that his reaction after taking just far too long to realize that something is up with this whole breaking in situation uh is justified i think that like him leaving is a good choice him may i don't even know if he like fully understands the situation even at this point after like realizing that but maybe that's reasonable everything up until this point though i don't know i'm not on board with I would, I mean, I know I've been saying that Josh is dumb as a rock multiple times in this, but I don't think that his actions are unreasonable necessarily. I do think, like I said, like Rebecca's panic sold to him that something bad has happened. So I think he was just caught up in that. And so him then offering to go and help her, him calling the cops, all that stuff, that all makes sense to me. And then him like finally trying to put the pieces together and then being weirded out again and just like wanting to remove himself from the situation that all makes sense to me as well. So I'm not, it's not that I don't think anything that Josh did doesn't make sense. It's just like a lot of it is just again, proof that he doesn't always think things through. Does it fit that he just left though? I'm just like remembering back to the party bus where it was like very, I don't know if confrontational is the right word, but like Josh was like very insistent that, Oh, just like tell us the truth, Rebecca. Like, you know, there must be some explanation, you know, yada, 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 stuff like that. It, it did feel like a little weird to me that like even without getting the full story we're like led to believe that josh like picked up all of it right like josh does he fully understand everything now and that's why he left or he was like starting to understand the situation and like didn't want to and then left or like he didn't understand anything but felt uncomfortable like i don't i'm just like struggling on where we should be putting josh at this point so i think so the difference between like the the bus situation now is the bus situation he found out that she'd been lying to him all this time and 
he confronted her about it and they kind of made up is like, you didn't have to lie. And I think maybe he thought that they were past that point. And now he's starting to see that maybe she's lying again. And so it could be that he actually is learning that, okay, there's, there is something still weird and dramatic and off about her. And it could be that after the best situation, he thought that they had put that part behind them. And then here she, here he is can see, okay, this doesn't make any sense. And she's scrambling again. She's changing the story again. And maybe because he's already been confronted with her uh, odd, odd behavior in the past, he's more keyed into it. That's a possibility. I agree. It seems like a, like a very dramatic change for him to just suddenly be go from like super helpful to suddenly be weirded out whenever I we've said before, he's not always the most perceptive, but again, like looking down and realizing that it's her rock that has been thrown through the window and that none of that story makes any sense at all. Even, even he has to begin to realize there are very strange things. And then again, going back to, okay, this doesn't make sense. If this doesn't make sense, then her reason for being in my apartment doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, I I do think it makes some some degree of sense that Josh is starting to piece things together slightly. Again, I don't think he necessarily has the whole picture, and I don't know if Josh is ever going to be able to get the whole picture without someone you know giving him the actual paint by numbers thing. But it's enough for him to be you no know, you no know, squicked out enough to like have to remove himself from the situation. I think. I think y'all are too hard on Josh. I think he understands what the situation is now. Like he is totally like not okay with the fact that she had broken into his apartment. Once he realizes that this break-in was staged, like obviously it's her rock. Like she had something to do with this. It's a fake break-in. He realizes that. And then things like, oh, she broke into my apartment earlier. He wants nothing to do with that anymore. I think you're not, giving him enough credit. Lindy, I just have to clarify the situation here. We've seen now 11 episodes of this show. Rebecca has done some absolutely insane things, truly bonker balls. And you are trying to tell the good people, including Todd and me, I'm, you know, I'm not in that category, but you're trying to tell the good people that listen to this podcast that after 11 episodes, the thing that finally clues Josh Chan into the whole situation is The Rock? What whole situation? I'm talking about saying- today's situation of her being in his apartment and talking about a break-in. But why what does he not push about? for more answers? Why does he not like get try and get more information? He just leaves. Because he is so... I don't know what the right word is, but like disgusted with what she's done that he isn't even interested. He wants nothing to do with her in this moment. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, that, I guess that would like hypothetically be a very justified response. I, you know, we don't need to like spoil future episodes and like what the actual reactions are, but uh, that would hypothetically be a justified response. I guess I'm just like struggling trying to piece together how, uh, you know, well, yeah, we're definitely like hard on Josh, but like at the same time, like he is not picked up on all of the very obvious clues that have been left. Like, 
consistently <laughs> like every single episode time after time he like consistently doesn't pick up on stuff again and I guess i'm talking I'm, about like, this specific situation but like even this specific situation right like she's you know how many times did she like i love your sense of humor like there were so many things that like he probably but could have picked up I'm on that he didn't know but I think there are there are very different types of situations, though. It's it's one thing to like kind of in your head, like oh yeah, flirty, flirty, whatever, doesn't mean anything. As opposed to this woman was in my house, and then I went to help her, and the rock that broke through her window was the rock from inside of her house. Those like two very different levels of of duplicity or or whatever or strange behavior. So I think that this is like on a completely other level from any of her little, I love your sense of humor, things that you could maybe, those other things I think are small enough that you could conceivably just like uh, brush off or, or think, oh, I, maybe I misunderstood that. Maybe I misunderstood that. But this is something that I think is big enough to warrant the change that he goes, goes under. Right. Like it's not a horrible thing if like she has a crush on him and whether or not he realizes that like if she's doing things that are simple like oh i love you oh your sense of humor that is so different than breaking into his apartment so i think these are totally different situations and i think that is why he takes off and doesn't want to hear the explanation it's not like oh you know i really like you so i wanted to read you this letter at camp from when we were dating in high school like this is on such another level i totally agree that that is why he just wanted to get out of there so then rebecca is alone and we get the the final song of this episode which is you stupid bitch and todd what are your thoughts on this song i love this song i love this song so much it's uh, first of all it's it's a beautifully written just like the music and the melody and her voice it's just like beautifully sung beautifully performed but in, even beyond that, like the lyrics and the idea of it, this is Rebecca just beating herself up. This is her like self-loathing and self-hatred made manifest. And it is just like a perfect encapsulation of what happens whenever you fall into that shame spiral. Whenever you screw something up and you just beat yourself up. And a, uh, the, there's like one line where she talks about how her soul's been shattered. And she says, yes, Josh completes me, but how can that be when there's no me left to complete? And it's just like, it's like heart wrenching, but it's also funny. It's like bittersweet, melancholy, dark comedy. And I just, I love this song. Adam, how about you? It's so good. I mean, like Todd nailed it, right? It's like the perfect encapsulation of like what this feeling is and like how much this feeling could just like hit you like right in the gut. Uh, I definitely like listen to this song and sing this song far too often to like myself all the time. Like I send a work email and I like mistype something to my boss and be like, Adam, you stupid bitch, just like <laughs> all the time. So uh, yeah, I love it. It's such a good song. I completely agree. It's like sometimes you mess up and you're like, oh, I ruined everything. And this is just the perfect song for that. How many songs allow you to really wallow in how much <laughs> you screwed up and in just such a, a great way? I love the performance of this song. Love the, the mood of it. It's just incredible. And I'm glad we all agree on that. And even like the little bits with the audience where it's like, yeah, you know it. You know, <laughs> you know this one. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It's so good. 
Exactly. So after this song, Rebecca is just sitting on the floor. She's upset. It's, you know, it's dark and Greg walks by and, you know, he sees the broken glass and comes in, asks what's wrong. And Rebecca doesn't really explain, but, you know, she, they hug and she asks him to stay for a little while. And he says, you know, of course, and offers to clean up the mess. And Rebecca offers him the fondue, you you know, might be congealed, but (laughs) it's probably still good. And she says, somehow you're always here when I need you. And the look on Greg's face in that moment is just so precious. And this is not the first time I have noticed the look on Greg's face when Rebecca and him are having a moment. And I just want to appreciate how wonderful his facial expressions can be in these sweet moments. I love it. I love, I mean, the like the exact face of like you're hugging and his like eyes close and it just looks like peace. I it's so good. I really loved it. I like Greg. Yeah, unfortunately, that you know, peaceful moment does not last very long because Greg sees that the name on the fondue bag says Josh. And so Greg gets upset, you know, thinking that he you know, he's the one cleaning up this mess and, you know, he's not mad at Rebecca. He's mad at himself because he says there are other ways to get out of this building, but I walked, you know, past your patio and he's realizing like he's trying to be around Rebecca. He's creating situations to be around her and ends up cleaning up all these messes when she's trying to be with Josh. Like she has not gone for Greg. She's in pursuit of Josh this whole time and he goes to leave and she says that she wanted someone to be here with her but greg says that's a problem someone oh it's heartbreaking he's right right i mean i think like i I don't know maybe it's just me but like i so desperately want to see them together but like i get it from greg's perspective feel like why he's so frustrated uh it's like a really unfortunate situation i'm not even sure that it's like I should be very clear here. <laughs> what happens to Greg, I don't think is like Rebecca's fault, right? Like, I don't think Rebecca went into the situation with any sort of like ill content of like, this is going to make Greg feel bad or like offering him fondue. Like that was never supposed to be like a, you know, I, I don't like Greg. I love Josh type situation. But like the way that Greg takes it is like so indicative of what we've seen previously of like, this is brutal, you know? Like there are so many times where it's just like come down on him when it was like probably not going to in any other situation, but it just like always does. And so I felt for Greg in this moment, that was like a tough one to walk over and like, just see the look of like pure defeat on his face after like seeing the happiness, just like three seconds before I was like, Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. And then we see uh, Paula and Scott, they're talking about Rebecca and, you know, Scott thinks, so oh, maybe, you know, she and Greg would be good together. And Paula says, no, keep your eyes on the prize. You know, it's Josh. And, you know, Scott is recalling all these details that Paula has told him about, you know, things that Rebecca has done, things that have happened. And Paula is just so happy about this. They kiss and we hear a little bit of the West Covina theme and Paula says it's so sexy when you listen. I love I I do, I do love the the Paula and Scott throughout this episode how they end up 
I mean, in the beginning, they're totally disconnected, not happy. And by the end, they really have connected. And I just think it's great. Yeah, I think this is the first episode that Scott is shown as something other than just this completely neglectful, distracted husband. Like every other time we've seen him, it's been mainly like, oh, he's so concerned with like his acapella group or barbershop quartet group or whatever, his singing group that he can't do anything. He's making Paula do everything for him. He can't even be bothered to go pick up the kids, making her do stuff. Everything's been from her point of view. I think, and Thanksgiving is not to say that he's distracted, that Paula's distracted. But even then, like we don't get a lot of him really understanding what's going on. He seems kind of clueless. So this is like the first episode where Scott really comes across as someone who like wants their marriage to work and is trying and is like a, you know, trying to be a good husband. And so it's just, it's really good to see their relationship in a positive light, uh, which after, because up until now, the last 10 episodes, there's been nothing to show, like, why are these two even together? You know, what is there between them other than just like years of marriage? Was there anything between them? Like Paul has been so miserable and Scott's been so oblivious. So yeah, it's really, really nice to see them both trying and then like opening up to each other and bonding over this really bizarre thing to bond over, but still them finding some common ground. It's just like, I, I love this whole storyline. It's my, my favorite storyline of the episode for sure. So then we see Paula and Rebecca at Cup of Boba. They're catching up. Paula had been trying to reach Rebecca about what had happened. You know, she doesn't know. And Rebecca says that she ruined everything. It was a disaster and she doesn't want to talk about it at all. And Paula says, that's okay. I'm going to need the details later, but you don't have to talk about it now. And says, you're not a ruiner. You put together my marriage. <laughs> I love that. And <laughs> Paula says, a little vandalism was the most amazing foreplay we ever had. <laughs> and shows Rebecca <laughs> the, the text that... Um, the text that Scott has sent her with all these emojis. The look on Adam's face right now. He's just like throwing rocks through windows. It's a great idea. <laughs> okay. I don't don't knock it till you, you know. So Rebecca or Paula says to Rebecca that, you know, you're on a journey. There are gonna be peaks and valleys, but everything will be okay. And it's lovely. She's encouraging Rebecca at this very low moment. Yeah, it's lovely. But at the same time, she says, everything's going to be okay. And if not, we will make it okay. And she kind of puts like a little bit of an emphasis on the make it okay, which on, on the one hand, it can be interpreted as really sweet. But on the other hand, knowing how Paula is, it could take a little bit of a sinister vibe that Paula, a, uh, again, we'll find out more by the end of the season, but Paula kind of the master manipulator it's like oh it's gonna be okay if not we will make it okay so i kind of like i agree that it's uh on, on the one hand it is like a very nice friendly thing but there's just a part of me it's like ooh, that's that could be a sign of bad things if paula is trying to make things happen so i may just be watching the tv show you too much no spoilers <laughs> please for um, season three you should watch season three. I'm going to, but I'm not done yet. So um, please don't okay. say anything about no. it. All right. All right. Nothing. Nothing. This doesn't remind me of anything. <laughs> of you. Thank you. <laughs> I know this, this, this episode is coming out in a few weeks, but 
Yeah. At the time of recording, you season three has just dropped a yes. few days ago, so I have not had a chance to finish it. Sorry. Uh, I haven't finished it either. I did like the uh, but like to Todd's point though, I actually did like the line of everything is going to be okay, and if not, we will make it okay. I guess I viewed it more in that first kind of light of like the sweet versus like the we're gonna make it okay. Uh, I, I think what got me was like like on in the in the closed captioning, like the make was italicized. So oh. it was like it was like stressing it as well. So it was like oh. that kind of like jumped out of me on on the rewatch. So okay. I didn't read it as sinister. Uh, I don't think that's how it was presented. But I'm sure, yeah, having a lot of context, you can definitely see that within it. But I didn't, I didn't really take a notice of that in this scene itself. Yeah, like like I said, I don't think I don't know it was necessarily meant to be sinister, but just with the greater greater view of everything it just it just really kind of like pinged in my head that yeah it's it's more than likely something that's a sweet and and helpful thing but there's just knowing paula i just i couldn't help but but see that that little bit of a, a shadow possibly being foretold by it and then we just have one more scene in this episode it's the ending scene it's the judge from earlier he's having to explain why he ordered a police escort for this woman which turns out was an unnecessary expenditure and he he you know explains that it was a text emergency and finds out that text catastrophe is the term <laughs> that caught on not text emergency unfortunately and this poor judge is so upset and ends up admitting i left my wife for a prostitute which if you'll recall is exactly what the guy at the butter company did so get a call back there yeah that's pretty funny and that's our episode. That's the episode. That's season one, episode 11 of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Overall, I think a pretty good one. Uh, you know, we had like some maybe not our favorite storylines. I love the the Paula Scott stuff. Um, but yeah, that's the episode. That's where we're at. We're not done here today, though. That's not all we have to do. Because as always, we have a game. Talk about what we need music for of a segment. We really need a, a, a Todd's game. game <laughs> okay, uh, so your homework is to create two jingles now. Oh, oh <laughs> my God. Okay. All right. So Sorry. if I, if I make it, you're going to hear the jingle right now. And that was the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or not. Who knows? Yeah, we'll Isn't see. it good, y'all? Isn't it so catchy? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so Todd. You're not writing music for anything else right now, Adam. So I'm just going to Nothing else going on at all. Uh, okay, so Todd, what are we doing today? So today we are doing another one of my patented Which One of These Did Todd Make Up games. And today's topic is hair bands. So a, a hair metal bands or glam metal bands, depending on a, a what a, a what you look up online. So yeah, so I'm going to give each of you a list of four names. Three of them the names of actual hair metal bands. One of them is one that I made up. Oh 
So, uh, yeah, as Lindy, usual, how are, you, uh, how are you feeling right now, Lindy? You feeling I think good? We both feel bad. <laughs> okay, all right, good. It's not just me, great. But again, uh, this sort of thing, like a, uh, a knowledge of hair bands, probably wouldn't help you out all that much, because uh, most of them I had never heard of before either. So oh, it's just okay. a whole bunch of just strange and random band names, plus a strange and random name that I made up. So, okay, and how many of these do we have? Uh, as always, we have four questions. You get two points if you can get it right, and if you can't, your opponent has a chance to steal for one point. Great, and the overall score right now, I believe, is six to four. Yes, yes, Lindy has closed the gap. Wow, so. okay. I'm getting back up there, making my comeback. Go. Yeah, here we go. All right, but since Lindy is still behind in the series overall, uh, Lindy will get to go first. Okay. So a uh, your first first list of names, a uh, have, each of these has like a little bit of a of a theme to them. So this first question is first one is a whole bunch of rhyming names. So a uh, the band the band names are A Bang Tango, <laughs> B Shock Flock, C Enough Enough, and that's E N U F F. Z apostrophe N-U-F-F. So enough is enough, but enough is enough. And then sleaze bees. S-L-E-E-Z-E-B-E-E-Z. -E 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 Three of these are real. One I made up. Well, there's a lot going on there. Um... There's a lot going on here. So we have bang tango, shock flock, enough is enough, sleaze bees. Sleaze bees. Sleaze bees is actually a hair metal band. So, Adam, for one point, you can chance to steal. Okay. I am between uh, Shock Flock and Enough is Enough. I don't think Todd's coming up. No offense, Todd. I don't think you're writing down Enough is Enough. And if you are, uh, props to you, man. Uh, I'm going to go with Shock Flock. I wish I'd come up with Enough's Enough, but indeed, it is a real hair metal band, and Shock Flock is not. So, Adam yes. gets one point. That's huge. That's so tragic because I was going between my answer and shock block. Uh, I picked wrong. Uh, okay, but... one to zero. Yeah. So now a uh, for Adams, a uh, the theme is place name bands. So we okay. have a Tokyo Inferno, B Saigon Kick, C Babylon AD, and D Hanoi Rocks. <laughs> Three of them are real names. One is made up. Uh, okay. Oh boy. Uh, Tokyo Inferno, Saigon Kick, Babylon AD, Hanoi Rocks. Okay, Hanoi Rocks is so good. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go. Oh boy. I can't say the two that I'm between because then I mean, I'll just get in Lindy's head. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go with the the first one, I think. The Seems Tokyo very Inferno? generic. Tokyo Inferno. I'm insulted that you think that my answer is so generic, but it is indeed a yes. fake one. Tokyo Inferno is the one that I came up with. Let's go. This is huge. Three to zero. Hanoi Rocks is such a good... I'm going like, to have to listen to a song because <laughs> that's such a good name. All right. So the... Uh, the last, the, the next group, a uh, Lindy, are uh, names that are white. So we have White Cross, White Lion, White Tiger, 
or white flour. <laughs> this is not what I thought you meant. By <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried. Okay. <laughs> Can you repeat, please? Sure. White cross, white lion, white tiger, white flower. This is really difficult because it could be any of them. Yep. That's that's the game. That is the <laughs> Okay. Uh, give me white flower. It is indeed white flower that I made up. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> this is close now. If I miss this and Lindy steals, we tie. Yep. So okay. last one, no Adam. These are weird spellings. So we have trickster with an X, okay. jackal with a Y, oh boy. twister with a Y, or kicks with an X. Um. Oh my goodness, Todd. Uh, I don't know. I'll take jackal with a Y. Jack with the Y is a real hair metal band. It was the one band I was afraid that you guys might have actually heard of because I have actually heard of Jackal. So. Oh, well, we, fear I, not. We Tom. clearly have not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lindy, this is your chance to tie it up. Oh, throw, throw back to the start of this podcast when Todd was like, I don't really have a lightning round. We should not tie. <laughs> yeah, that was before we started recording. So. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Uh, can you give me the remaining options, please? Sure. It's Trickster with an X, Twister with a Y, or Kicks with an X. Give me Trickster. Well, we don't have to go to a lightning round because Trickster is indeed a real band name. Twister, however, oh. is not. Oh, so no. Adam wins a score of three to two. So I don't have to do the horrible tiebreaker that I had possibly come up with. So. Okay. <laughs> uh so Adam, the Adam streak is, is broken. Up. Yeah. Lindy, but it's still it's still close. It is still close, Lindy. I think you were on like a a, th a three or four. I forget how many it was, but you I were had like three in a row. I had three wins in a row. So I was bound to, you know, lose eventually. It's fine. I can bounce back. Now I know I can come back from a devastating deficit. So it's okay. Yes. Uh, okay, great game, Todd. This was great. Obviously, we don't know our uh, hair bands at all. Like I said, <laughs> very few people know any of these. Like Jackal's <laughs> the only one that I had ever heard of before before I looked at this. So, uh, okay, well, you could have convinced me that that was a fake one, but um, <laughs> uh, okay, that was the game. Well, the, the the overall score right now, I believe, is what seven to four. Yeah. Okay. Linda, you're right there. You're still in it. We still have plenty of episodes left to go in, in season one. Uh, plenty of opportunities to come back. But that's the game. And then here, right here, is I think where we're going to put the outro jingle of the game. And that was the jingle right there. <laughs> um, was that good? Hopefully, you know, does that work for you guys? Is that good? I thought it was great. Oh. I loved it. Okay. Beautiful. It's going to be really awkward when there's no jingle there. <laughs> come up with something. Um, uh, that was the game. That was Todd's game. That was great. Uh, that was the episode. That was the game. We still have one more thing left to do here today, and that's to give out some pretzels and tell you all who we found to make us truly happy for the episode. First, our pretzels. We had three songs this episode. The first is Text Emergency. I have it as a 3.2. I think it's definitely above average. I like the style. I love the backup singers. Uh, it was great. A 3.2 for me. 
yeah, I give it a three. It's a fun song. Yeah, I'm quite a bit higher on the both of you are. I give it a 3.8. Yeah, which brings it to a total of 10, which is like right up there in the uh, the upper echelon of songs. Uh, Where's the Rock is the second song. I had it had a balmy 1.5. Uh, I don't know. the It didn't do much for me the second time around here. It's a little short. Didn't, you know, didn't do what it did for me the first time. I just was laughing that you said a balmy 1.5. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that. Well, I gave it a, a 2. Uh, kind of same thing. It's it's pretty short. It's not super memorable. So I, I had to give it a two. Yeah, I give it a three. It's kind of like my default for it's it's not offensive, but it's not mind-blowingly great. Uh, there's at least one line in it that made me laugh. So give it a three. Uh, fun fact that puts it tied with uh, having a few people over. What? <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. Y'all, so, raise uh, your scores. people over. We're uh, having a few people over. That's uh, that's where we're at. And finally, the final song of the episode, You Stupid Bitch. I had as potentially one of the easiest five pretzels of the whole show. Uh, you know, by any of the metrics that we use of how many times I listen to it outside of the show, how many times I sing it, how much I love it. The lyrics are smart and funny. The actual, like, getting the audience involved. I loved it so much. Full five pretzels for me. Okay. So I'm going to be real honest here. I put it down in the chart as a 4.5, but here's the thing. I was the first person to enter my scores and I'm usually not, and I'm not super influenced by what you guys put, but it, you know, it does give me an idea of what you're thinking this time. I had no idea. So I put 4.5 thinking like, I don't know if they love this song or not. So now I'm like, maybe I should have gone five. Don't let us influence you. Uh, Wait, rate the way that you want to rate. Can you walk us through that logic one more time for me, please? You, <laughs> you, you don't wait. I'm, I'm so lost. <laughs> you don't want to put your scores in beforehand so you won't be influenced by us. But by not by being the first one, you were influenced by us to put your score lower than what you wanted it as. <laughs> no, I, I, I decided on four point five and then went to the sheet, but there was nothing there yet so i was like okay maybe if i'd known that you all absolutely love this song as well i would have put five so i'm not sure what to do well it's not too late todd uh, she gave it away already what did you what did you get this song? <laughs> Sorry. five easy five <laughs> yeah easy five hundred percent okay so lindy i i mean i don't know uh, you know we can we can come back to it if you want i guess well, here's my thing. Do you all think that this should be a song that gets a full bowl of pretzels? If so, you can convince me and I, and I can change mine to a five. I'm totally fine with that. But if you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter, then I'll stick with 4.5. So Personally, here it doesn't matter to me. I, uh, if it, I, I think it is deserving of a full bowl of pretzels. I think it's one of like the more iconic songs of the series. So I think it's deserving of a full bowl of pretzels. However, I also feel like you should rate whatever your heart tells you. If you don't think that this song, personally, if you don't think the song rates a full bowl of pretzels, then it's up to you to to keep it from getting the full bowl of pretzels. To be honest, my heart is telling me that it's wrong to stop it from getting a full bowl of pretzels. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make my score officially a five. That's so a full go. fifteen. A full bowl of pretzels. We have only had a few other full bulls we had the season one theme and we had face your fears and now we have you stupid bitch amazing i i really love this song so much 
uh that's that's so awesome i feel good about that that's great (laughs) i feel great that makes me truly happy which brings us into our final segment of the episode who made you truly happy lindy i went with paula because her whole storyline throughout this genuinely made me happy her reconnecting with her husband and you know totally dropping everything to go help rebecca no questions asked i loved paula throughout this whole episode Okay, so just to be clear, you do like that going to help, no questions asked. Oh my just, god! Uh, okay, That's not it's on record. record. Everyone heard it. Every you listener, you heard it. Everyone heard it. Yeah, everyone heard it. Uh, Todd, who made you truly happy this episode? So, uh, Paula was definitely in in the running for me, but I had to go with Scott. Uh, <sighs> Scott made me uh, truly happy just because the joy that he had. At reconnecting with Paula and the joy that he had with him, like doing this little, you know, illicit thing, breaking the window, and just him being like him wanting really hard to work on their marriage and him like putting in the effort and him not letting Paula get away with her crap from like putting his foot down and then, but then going along with her, like trusting her enough to, to go along with her and then just like rekindling the romance and listening to her and just everything about the way Scott acted in this episode. I, Scott was the one, like Paula made me happy, but Scott made me truly happy. Todd, you took the words right out of my mouth. Scott, too, made me truly happy. The look on his face when he threw that rock through the window was just pure joy, pure elation, and I was so here for it. Uh, So Scott gets my vote as well this episode for truly happy, uh, which is amazing. I love it. Paula uh, creeps into the lead now with Lindy's vote there. Nine uh, total to Greg's eight. Uh, so something to keep track of there. But that's all we, that's all. That's it. That's it. That's the episode. Season one, episode 11. We have nothing else to talk about, I don't think, unless you guys have any final thoughts. I like the episode overall. It was good. I think this is such a fun episode. I had a great time watching it. Yeah, I think it's a really great episode. I don't like what comes out of it necessarily. The next couple of episodes are kind of towards the bottom, I think, of my my rankings for the the show, definitely the season. But we can get into that more uh, over the next few weeks. But as of this episode, I think like had two two songs that I really liked a lot. I love the whole Paula Scott storyline. Uh, Rebecca maybe cringe at times with her craziness, but even then, like there was a lot of like really good stuff within that. So yeah, I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, we got more Scott, which was exciting. Uh, we got you know no Heather, no Daryl, no uh, White White Josh, which was unfortunate, but uh, you know I I'm okay with it because we got more Scott and no Valencia as well. We really did, uh, didn't get a lot of uh, outside cast this episode, but. Um, no, this was a good episode overall. Loved getting to talk through it with both of you. That's all we really have to do here today. So, Lindy, what are you up to? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at TVLindy, T-V-L-I-N-D-Y, and at our podcast Twitter at 1CXG Podcast. That's O-N-E-C-X-G Podcast. Uh, amazing. Yes, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, do all the liking, retweeting, stuff like that. Uh, we love you all so much. Todd, where are you at? Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Librarian Todd because Todd the Librarian was uh, too many characters. And uh, that's pretty much it these days. Todd's got that down. I think I could like, you know, uh, Librarian Todd because Todd the Librarian is too many characters. So I love it. Uh, yes, give him a follow. We have something pretty big coming up that by the time that this podcast is dropping, hopefully. <laughs> oh, please. 
<laughs> Lord in heaven, let it actually have dropped. If it has not come out by the time this episode releases in like what three weeks, I think I might have a nervous breakdown. Uh, I have some bad news, Todd. <laughs> I think this is going to release one day before uh, it actually drops. So after you listen to this, because you know everyone listens to this exactly when it comes out. The next day, wait one day, 24 hours from right now, from whenever you're listening to this, from, from right now, right this second, D&D, the musical, number two, will have officially dropped. Which is incredibly exciting. We're finally done with it. We've got our final version going on. Todd and I have been working on this for like six months. It's It's been... <laughs> so long it's been such a like big part of our lives and we're very excited to share it with everyone so go check that out psr dungeons and dragons and discord our second musical will have dropped will I'm that so be excited. available for everyone or just patrons of psr uh you'll be able to find it we can like tweet a tweet a link to a soundcloud or something i don't okay. know i'm bad at logistics but we'll make it work if you like want to listen to it and you can't figure out how just let me know and i will make sure that you can listen to it Yes, we um, the, the first episode was made available on a SoundCloud. So uh, the first the first musical that we did, uh, "Hey, It's Grandel," uh, the first the first D and D musical that Adam and I uh, worked on is available on the SoundCloud. So we will have this available for people who aren't patrons as well. Uh, amazing. So the other places you can find me on Twitter, Pianerman Adam One. Uh, that is where I will share my thoughts and, and retweet all the things that I'm doing. You can also find me at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. Every Sunday night, we are playing City of Mist, our game Kings of Neon, where I'm bringing the character Sebastian to life. You can check that out at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. Other than that, the most important place you can find me is here, right here, where you are right now, what you're listening to right this second, one indescribable podcast, where we will be back next week with season one, episode 12 of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend here with my good friends Todd and Lindy. And that'll do it for us today. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>